Oh, let's go. Oh, hey, Brent, before we get started, do you think you could shimmy to the middle of the screen for me? Shimmy, 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 shimmy. Thank you. <laughs> Always a great way to run into the weekend is seeing a grown man shimmy on camera. back to another Direct Connect. We got Brent Castaneto and Leonard Chamberlain joining us today to talk about CSMs, SIP Senior Managers, not to be confused with Command Sergeant's Major. Keep that in mind. Gentlemen, how you doing? Doing well. Good, thank you. Cold weather is here. It's the most miserable time of the year. Big man weather. I love it. Let's jump in with, uh, let's start right off the top there. How do you define SIP Senior Manager? Leonard, that's, let's see what you got. Well, I will, of course, defer to the NERC glossary of terms because this is an official defined term. SIP senior manager is a single senior management official with overall authority and responsibility for leading and managing implementation of and continuing adherence to the requirements within the NERC SIP standards, SIP 2 through SIP 11. Clearly, uh, the standard, uh, well, the glossary needs to be updated because we've got a few more SIP standards that are not referenced there. So I guess your SIP senior manager is not responsible for 12, 13, or 14. Does that mean those are O&P standards? Oh, wait, that's a whole different. Yeah, there's a lot to pull apart in that definition. Um, you know, uh, a single senior management official. Uh, so that's one piece. Overall authority and responsibility for leading and managing um, so that, that authority and responsibility is also a key piece. Um, leading and managing the implementation and continuing adherence to the requirements. Um, and then again, as we were just uh, making light of the, the scope of their uh, responsibility. You know, when you, when you think about this, uh, a SIP senior manager, is that required to be, you know, like a, a manager? like right down in the weeds working in the SIP standards or is it intended to be kind of a, um, a higher level executive, C-level type person? Based on the way it's written, um, either one works, but the key is having that authority and responsibility um, for ensuring the ability to lead that implementation and continuing adherence. So whoever the SIP senior manager is in your organization, if they're you know, too far down embedded in the org chart, they may not have that uh, sufficient um, authority to ensure the um, the uh, implementation. I, I think what the one of the challenges Leonard you mentioned kind of you, you defined it quite well. Um, Thank one you. Of the, one of the challenges you see is right sizing for the organization because not every every entity is is the same, right? You're going to have a, a variety of levels. And a variety of personnel that play at, at, at those levels. And so right-sizing it, I think, is really important. And I think you can establish that with, you know, that overall responsibility and obligation to, to manage the overall program with, well, where does that fit, right? We need to look in our organization internally and say, where does that fit for us? If I'm a large vertically integrated utility, maybe that's at a higher director level. If I'm, you know, at a smaller, you know, Muni or, or, or a, a smaller utility, GOGOP only, 
you know, that that may change. I may be at the manager level. So right-sizing it for your organization, I think, is absolutely crucial so that you can effectively manage the overall obligations that you have. And you have enough horsepower, uh, both, you know, from from the top down and the the bottom up folks to kind of work at at those levels. You know, as you're talking about uh, directors and vertically integrated, I mean, I think that's that's one of the, the pain points we've seen for a number of organizations that the SIP senior manager, you know, ends up being in, in one silo of the business, be it the IT side, and then may not have, you know, that um, authority to really lead the SIP implementation uh, for, you know, other areas of the business generation, transmission, for example. And, um, you know, a lot of times that, that results with those organizations kind of doing their own thing, you know, their own interpretations of the standards. And so then you have inconsistency within the same organization, um, which uh, does not uh, bode well when it's audit time. I think you nailed it right there, Leonard. It's where the decision rights sit. Do they have the authority to make decisions to make sure the the subject matter experts on the ground are doing what they're supposed to be doing? If not, do they have the ability to go get that authority? Um, we've, I think if we've seen that a fair amount where maybe it does live at a lower level, but there's either a direct line or a dotted line to somebody who does have those decision rights. Um, that's always a risky proposition, though, because if you go to that person and you have that dotted line or that straight line relationship and you can't convince them to do what needs done, do you really have that authority as outlined in the definition? Um, Kind of gets into the next question I've got beyond where does it live in the organization, which I think is a philosophical debate that we could go on and on ad nauseum. But what's more important, to have the subject matter expertise to know the ins and outs of the standards or the organizational capital or decision-making uh, ability to drive the program forward? And the answer is both, but often yes. that does not exist <laughs> in the same person. So where would you like to see that move towards? I, you know, it has to be the, it has to be both. It has to be both. And, and senior leadership inside these organizations, no matter large or small, have to empower these these leaders to be effective in that role. And so that means giving them access to the purse strings so they can buy the tools um, from an automation perspective, get access to the personnel they need to effectively manage not only their compliance programs, but the overall security. You know, if people look at, you know, SIP as a line item, or a budgetary item, and, and really then you look at it as a, as a control, right? This is an investment so that we're preventing uh, violations, but not only violations, but you know, potential risk from, a, from, a, from a, you know, bad actors uh, that are out there. So uh, you know, recognizing that at senior leadership levels to, to empower the people wherever they are inside the organization to be effective. Yeah, as a person with a vested interest in the reliability of the bulk electric system, I concur. Um, you're speaking about, uh, you know, um, purse strings and automated tools, um, automation tools. Um, any thoughts on current automation tools you're seeing in the industry, Brent? There, there are a lot of there are a lot of different ones out there, um, and certainly folks have even gone to the homegrown level where they're building their own internally, and that's great. I, I think you know, staying vendor agnostic or tool agnostic, it really is regardless of what you choose, the tool you select. Make sure it works for you, for your organization. Make sure your people are trained. You really want to empower those people by providing the the right set of tools that don't become shelfware. Right? That's my that's my fear and worry that I see consistently day over day is tools that get brought in 
by someone because this is a great solution. Well, it doesn't go anywhere because you don't get traction inside the variety of organizations and therefore no one uses it, no one wants to use it, even though it was a fantastic tool and does a lot of great things. So uh, have, helping um, your, your, your SIP senior managers recognize, hey, there, there's value here, but you have to have buy-in from, from the people who are actually going to use the tool to make it really effective. So I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate on that one a little bit and, and come back with some of the pieces that I've heard in, in various utilities. Is SIP is just one small piece of all the things they have to do. So over-prioritizing is kind of taking a, a, a bit of a, a turn, I think we've seen, particularly where the SIP audits have gotten to be lighter touch or more risk-based, I believe is the proper term. Um, and seeing utilities look at that and say, you know, it's, it's important, so is everything else. Um, right now, what's more important is this other new set of standards or getting um, an, an outage so we can get a plant upgraded or getting a new transmission line in. Um, some of those pieces, the latest, whatever the latest personnel management side is, I mean, it's kind of the, the nature of the beast is all this stuff is cyclic. And when you're on that downswing, it's kind of a hard sell to say, hey, SIP still is important. We need to make sure we're at the front edge of this. How would you approach that conversation? Well, I mean, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? And, um, you know, we haven't had, um, it hasn't been in the news of late, um, to be honest. I mean, obviously there's new SIP standards coming out, but um, uh, new new versions continue to come about. Um, but, you know, until someone, say, you know, tries to drive a car through a gate of a nuclear facility, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. Um, but uh, the, the light touch on the audits um, just coming out of the, uh, the WEC conference last week, I mean, we, we heard that from, from a lot of the um, utilities that were in attendance and conversations, sidebars and whatnot, that it's having a detrimental effect on their compliance departments uh, because it's directly impacting their budgets because management's saying, oh, wow, we, we're doing pretty good. I guess we don't need to spend all this money on compliance. Um, and so whether that's being, you know, uh, less purse strings to talk about the tools, as Brent was referring to earlier, or, you know, headcount being reduced, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, that pendulum will eventually swing the other way, and it won't be pretty when that happens. Yeah, I'll, I'll add on to that. There's two additional external factors that, you know, Leonard mentioned one there, right, the, the shrinking of budgets based on the lack of uh, the, the simplified uh, op, uh, uh, audit approaches that we've seen recently. I'll, I'll be kind and say it's simplified audit approaches that we've seen. But there are other external factors. You look at the cold weather standards and how that's having an impact on not only NERC, not only NERC O&P, but NERC SIP. Uh, you know, for, or sorry, NERC uh, produced a report, I think just this week, where they talked about, hey, we're at high risk in the Northeast. We're very high risk in, in some of the Canadian provinces. And so, you know, when a, when, a, when a company looks at that and says, well, what are we going to do to shore up against this so that we can prevent outages, right, blackouts from occurring, and, and budget gets pulled from, from those areas. And you look at, you know, uh, NERC just issued a request uh, using Section 800 the other day on remote access capabilities from foreign entities, foreign countries, foreign nations. Um, you know, so, so these factors, things of, of this nature, tend to pull away and draw budget money resources away from, you know, our critical uh, efforts that we're doing to not only maintain compliance, but security of, of the BES. And that's greatly concerning. And as a, as a you know, SIP senior manager, I'd be pulling my hair out right now, just wondering how do we accomplish everything that's in front of us, given these uh, external factors that definitely have an impact on us. 
I, I think you just nailed it there, Brent. I think for so long, a lot of compliance managers managed and kind of used the compliance risk as the reason for doing things rather than the security risk behind it. And I don't know how many times we've been to different utilities across the, the continent where compliance and security are in total opposite parts of the organization, and they don't have those communications to figure out, okay, what is our actual risk here? Um, I know that was one of the things when I first got to Grant that actually upset our compliance manager because I included SIP and FERC Dam Safety Compliance in my risk register for security, and it honestly was fairly low because how that would hurt the utility compared to things like an actual cyber attack, an active shooter, um, a physical attack on one of our critical sites. It paled in comparison, honestly. Even the million dollars a day compared to a hundred million dollar event. That, that's a lot of days of violation. I mean, and even the, the biggest fines pale in comparison to the damage we saw last winter with the physical attacks. And that's that's just a couple idiots getting into a substation. That's not a dedicated cyber attacker who knows what they're doing. Um, kind of creating that kinetic attack through cyber. And therein lies the challenge, right? Is you have all these external factors that are pushing, 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 and people forget, like, I I'm just doing this to be compliant. No, you're doing this to prevent, um, you know, other issues from, from occurring, um, you know, that can have a massive impact on our organization. And so. I think that's where the value of having a SIP senior manager kind of coming back to organizational capital versus subject matter expertise. They got to have both, even if it's balanced and it's, they're not the experts in both, they need that ability. So they can go beyond, hey, this is just what we're seeing from our last audit, not managing to the last audit they felt. Considering we've seen a, one or two utilities in our, our day, uh, what are some of the missteps or horror stories you've seen around the, the SIP senior manager or delegations or that entire concept of a SIP senior manager? So, you know, again, the challenges I see is right-sizing it that, that I've seen in the past where they've handed it off so many times as a SIP senior manager and everyone's pointing this direction. No, this, this person's got it, this person's got it. No, this person is the SIP senior manager where you see a lot of churn over a period of less than three years. That, that puts you in a really bad spot because you don't have consistent leadership at the top. You don't have um, consistency in operations. You don't have consistency in strategy. Um, that can really uh, you know, sink a compliant ship pretty quickly. Um, so, so that's the, the biggest concern I, or biggest challenge that I've seen is the movement and the churn of SIP senior manager year over year. Yeah, and, and sometimes the the, uh, the lack of churn, the, looking at this from the complete opposite um, perspective, when that churn eventually does occur for whatever reason, this person's been doing it so long or faking it for so long that then they forget oh, we need to identify a new SIP senior manager now. This guy retired six months ago. And so then they're in a situation where they failed to identify a new SIP senior manager and document that change within the required time frame. So, you know, that's that's the other extreme. Um, you know, uh, delegation, another area we haven't really touched on a ton, but, you know, there's tons of SIP standards that require the... Um, uh, you know, approval or uh, the SIP senior manager or delegate. And, you know, um, just because, you know, you're allowed to delegate uh, responsibility to someone else, does that mean that you should delegate in every case? Um, you know, uh, for all is said and done, you know, SIP senior manager is doing very little from a requirements perspective. Uh, again, that leads to more hands-off scenarios where that that leadership and, uh, you know, is, is 
frankly missing. Yeah, very good point, Leonard. You know, we, we talk all the time in our industry about um, succession planning and how important that is and bringing up the next, next generation who's following behind you. The SIP senior manager is one of those things that's no one plans for the next SIP senior manager. It's kind of you got the job until you either move on or, or, or you know, or, or retire. Right. Um, there's no plan in place to kind of help build those people up and strengthen the, the delegates. Right. If that's what the way you, you tend to use it. Um, to, so that they're prepared and understand what the obligations are and can really help uh, refine and define programs. Speaking of delegations, what are some of the tasks that you think really shouldn't be delegated? They really need to stay with that SIP senior manager. I would say you're, as a SIP senior manager, if I were a SIP senior manager, SIP2, my asset inventory is going to be reviewed, owned, and known by me. Um, that's critical to everything that we do, right? Foundational is identifying the asset inventory and knowing where stuff is in, in, in transitions as it, as it transitions into and out of our environments. I concur. Um, you know, we've been in cases with, with clients where we've had to educate um, in advance of an audit on very basic understanding of the SIP standards and their own infrastructure. And that's, that's not a good look. Um, you know, kudos to the SIP senior manager for realizing, hey, I, I need some education on this prior to being in front of auditors. But it's uh, <laughs> still a little late in the cycle to, to realize you need that level of understanding. Um, speaking of SIP senior managers and auditors, you know, again, uh, in my former life as an auditor, um, it always used to amuse me when the SIP senior manager was there to shake hands, you know, and, and greet everybody for the opening presentation. And then you never saw them again for the entire week. Um, you know, that speaks volumes about how, um, you know, important NERC SIP is to your SIP senior manager when they can't even be bothered to, you know, sit at the table for the week. You know, in some cases, they wouldn't even show up for the closing presentation at the end of the week. Not a good look. But as far, you know, I'll work off the opposite of that, your question, Nick, as far as what should we be using our delegates for? To me, it's the tactical type things that, that happen on a regular cadence, uh, you, know, um, you know, security patch mitigation plans, as an example, extensions and handling of those, right? That can be certainly, uh, you know, pushed down to the, the delegate level because you may have multiple business units. We've talked about that, right, With, that, are, that are doing these things. And the, the visibility um, for, for a single senior manager to, to accommodate all of those may be challenging if you're a large organization. So using delegates where they're appropriate, uh, to me, a, good, a great example of that is patch mitigation extensions. Brent, that's a, a great point with the, um, the delegation piece, particularly tactical. I know that's something we used at Grant extensively. But how do you monitor and manage those when you do send that out? I know that's one of the things we saw a lot as auditors where kind of those delegations become a, a fire and forget blanket abdication of responsibility. How do you make sure that's not the case for that SIP senior manager? There has to be, you know, recognizing the role you play as a SIP senior manager in the organization, there has to be follow-up, right? There has to be check-ins. There has to be some periodicity where, I don't know if I, I see, I've seen some SIP senior managers, they meet with their teams, you know, the delegates or the, you know, the asset owners, you know, on a, on a, you know, semi-monthly basis, multiple times per month, I think that's an appropriate cadence to, to kind of check in and see where things stand. Um, as a SIP senior manager, I'd want to know how many mitigation plans are out there and how many have been extended um, so that we're keeping track of that and, and not letting that, you know, become so, so big and so vast that we can't deal with it or unravel it. 
Um, yeah. Brent, that's a very optimistic um, perspective you have there. Um, I'm a little bit more pessimistic in, in my uh, opinion in that regard. Um, historically speaking, you know, the industry has been uh, more reactionary than proactive in, in addressing uh, issues like this. So um, while I, I certainly hope that uh, many SIP senior managers will um, be assertive and, and correcting any of those uh, deficiencies. Um, you know, I, I think um, the majority will, will be more, you know, un, until pain is felt in some shape or fashion, be it from, you know, a, um, a security incident that imp uh, personally impacts their operations or um, if they happen to have a extremely bad audit that uh, includes um, significant penalties and fines. Um, you know, I think a lot of them will, will have to wait for that scenario to play out before there's a change. Unfortunately, you're right, Leonard. And, and you know, more often than not, we see that uh, as the um, mode of operation in the organizations. But, you know, it's up to us, right, to evangelize this stuff, to, to share it with people and say, this is the right way to do it, um, you know, from, from building your program all the way down. Um, is really having a, a you know this person whoever this is as a SIP senior manager with the right horsepower and authority to do their their jobs effectively and and so you know I, a message to or a, a you know, message to all SIP senior managers out there take it seriously um, look for opportunities to improve look for enhancements look for you know controls that you can put in place that will help prevent recurrence of violation but keep you aware of the you know the position that your organization's in both security and compliance. I think one of the big ones for us is that the compliance team was never on the delegation list. We were kind of the uh, the enforcers or the reviewers of it. And like I met with the, the SIP senior manager, I think monthly, and then the full executive team quarterly, including the board. Um, but part of the expectation was that I was going to give them the good, bad, and ugly. And if somebody wasn't getting things done, that was an immediate escalation. Grab their boss, say, hey, this is not getting done. That was their one shot to get it fixed, if not right to the, the SIP senior manager, who was our COO, um, and had that ability to go get people moving on things. Uh, well, thanks for joining, guys. I think it's been a great discussion. There's a, a lot of things to consider as you're looking at who your SIP senior manager is and what their responsibilities are. And if you are a SIP senior manager, all the things to consider. Um, it, it's definitely there. It's a choose your own adventure, no matter which way you go. Um, I'd say no right answers, lots of wrong answers. Um, and if, if you are not a SIP senior manager or compliance person, feel free to share this with them as, as kind of some of the things to consider as, as they're taking this on. I know for a lot of executives, it's just a, another duty is assigned until their first audit rolls around. So the more you can help them get ahead, the better. Um, so with that, thanks for joining. Everybody take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Not only is Direct Connect available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com forward slash at ArcherU. If you're interested in who we are and what we do, you can head on over to our website at archerint.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions LLC on LinkedIn, and at Archer SEC on Twitter. Thanks for listening and check back every other week for brand new episodes of Direct Connect.